Thank you for listening to a Sunday morning sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about these sermons, or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. And now, here's this week's sermon. If you're visiting Christ Church, my name is Mark. We're glad you're with us as we study through the gospel of Jesus, learning more about him. Um, In the gospel of John in particular, Jesus has moments where he has conflict with religious leaders who are telling him he's not who he is. And he uses these I am expressions. There are seven of them in the gospel of John. Uh, We've already covered in John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. And in John chapter 8, he said, I am the light of the world. Today we're going to come in contact with two more of these statements where Jesus said, I am the gate and I am the good shepherd. And what he's doing each and every time is he's pointing out to these religious leaders that they're missing who God sent to them as the provision for everything they need. But the, con- the concept, to be honest with you, of shepherding is difficult for Americans in a Western culture to grasp onto. And so I was thinking this morning as I took my morning walk and I was going over my notes in my head, what I wanted to say, I cautioned myself. Sometimes I yell at myself. I don't know if you yell at you. But I yelled at myself, hey, don't try to better Jesus' metaphor. So what I'm not going to stand on stage here this morning and tell you that I'm uh, bettering the metaphor. I'm just trying to bring it into an association that might make sense to us. When Jesus calls himself the good shepherd, I want you to picture the parents of a, of a baby like the one I just carried out on stage, little Dawson. Or the parents of a toddler, two, three, four years old. When that toddler's at an age where they can begin to express frustration and some desires. Picture a mother with her three-month-old who has flu at 2.30 in the morning. Who's wiping the sweat off their brow and holding them closely and, and rocking them in the early morning. Picture a father dropping his daughter off at preschool on her very first day and trying to hide his fear and his regret. Picture a parent having a necessary discussion with their child over and over why you can't have Captain Crunch for dinner every night and the injustice of that. Or having the conversation, why do you have to wear floaties in the pool? Or why do you have to wear a bike helmet when your older brother or sister no longer does? Or why you have to eat an occasional vegetable? When we grasp the sentiments that I've just put in front of you, you and I will understand what a shepherd meant to the sheep, what the shepherd's role of the sheep was. As one mother explained to me one time, and I love this example, she said, we love our children more than they want us to. Parents, can I have an amen? Yeah, it's hard being a parent because we love our children more than they want us to because we know a little bit more about them and then sometimes we don't. But our love is always present. You see, if you've attended Christ Church, you know whenever I talk about shepherding, I, I can tell you a story, which I won't today, but I can tell you a story about having gone to a sheep farm and learning a whole lot. And what I basically walked away with at the end of the day is the summation is it's not flattering being called a sheep. When you're called sheep, it's not the best. It's not making fun of us, but it's showing our limitations more than it is showing our, uh, how much we're loved. Jesus is called the great shepherd. He calls himself the good shepherd. And he cares for his flock. You see, there are all kinds of wild animals in the world, which is why it's not always flattering to be called a sheep. That these animals live on their own. They fend for themselves. They engage the world and they survive. You can go anywhere in the world and find wild horses. It's awesome. You can find wild dogs. Sometimes not so awesome. You can even find, I'm told, because I have to equal time here, wild cats. 
In fact, the only cats I've ever loved in my entire life were my grandma's barn cats. They never came inside, but man, they were awesome out in the barn, killing mice and doing crazy things and attacking each other. They acted like dogs is why I liked them. But I'm told you, you won't find wild sheep. You know, you don't see a, a, a little lamb on top of a hill having climbed that hill, standing on the top with its, you know, its wool zipped down halfway going, the man is here. Sheep are not independent. They're highly dependent. And Jesus knew that his audience would understand the price a shepherd pays to take care of sheep. It's a big price. It's a big ask. You see, sheep have a helpless nature, which means they need a helper. They knew that a shepherd would spend endless hours under the constant threat and risks that come with even a moment's lapse of concentration and commitment. Being distracted as a shepherd could cost you some innocent sheep. So basically, the shepherd does everything for the sheep. So when Jesus tells us this morning from the text that he's the good shepherd, the question we each have to ask ourselves is, will we let him be? It's not whether or not he is. It'll come down to whether or not you and I allow him to be. The shepherd is the sheep's protector, provider, physician, nutritionist, guide, owner. Consider what that means. That the reason you and I need a good shepherd is because we are helpless without him. We hear the 23rd Psalm say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall want nothing. We like the sound of it, but we really deep down inside struggle with the truth of it. You see, our hearts basically have convinced us that we're pretty good people, better than not. We're more intelligent than most and we generally make the right decisions except when we don't. But we really try hard. You see, most of us don't want a shepherd. We want a consultant. We want someone to advise us when we get stuck. We want someone to rescue us when we can't handle it on our own. But ultimately, we want to handle it on our own. And I've learned that a sheep who tries to live life on its own will be a dead sheep in no time at all. In John chapter 15, Jesus says, Without me, you can do nothing. And we'll address that text as it approaches. You see, the vulnerability and inability of a lamb to care for itself, provide for itself, and defend itself is the point of the metaphor. Sheep need a shepherd or they will die. And church, we need a shepherd or we will die. And you can't shepherd yourself. You must be shepherded. You see, the beauty of this is that the Pharisees, remember this is always a conflict. When Jesus brings up the I am statements, he's addressing an audience who doesn't believe he is who he is projecting himself and proclaiming himself to be. And so he brings up the fact that I'm the good shepherd to a group of people that thought they were the shepherds of Israel. And you'll see this morning through the text, he makes comparisons between the way they shepherd and the way that he shepherds and the way that he shepherds allows him to be the good one. So let's walk through it. I'm going to give you three things you can see in the text about what Jesus wants to provide each and every one of us. Number one, the good shepherd provides familiar presence. Familiar presence. Uh, He says in verse one, very truly I tell you Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he, when he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. See, 
This is following. Jesus switches the metaphor from light and darkness, from being blind and seeing in the last chapter. Remember, he healed the blind beggar, and they questioned whether he was actually really blind. And when the man said, I was blind, don't you believe that he is who he said he is? They kicked him out. They excommunicated him from the local synagogue. He could not worship God with his friends and family because he believed that Jesus was who he said he was. And in light of that, Jesus changes from a light and darkness, blind and sight metaphor to switching over to this new one where he calls himself the shepherds because they thought they were. And he said, the way that you cast out that person, the way that you threw him away is not what a good shepherd does. You've entered falsely and the people don't know your voice. You see, they cast this man out because he made them look bad. Well, Jesus came to bring this man in and give him sight and understanding. In Ezekiel chapter 34, if you want to write this down, if you're taking notes, if you want to write this down, you might look at it this week because Ezekiel identifies what a good shepherd does and it sounds a whole lot like Jesus when you read it. The price that a shepherd would pay to take care of the flock. You see, when a child knows the voice and touch of their parents, they will surrender themselves into the arm of that person with confidence. It's, it's fascinating to me. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch this from sheep and children now to something that's relatable in my world. My oldest son, uh, Alex, and, and his wife, Madison, got a puppy, and I love dogs. And they got this cute little mini Australian dog. It's a, they call her Lou. And when they bring her to, to have us watch her when they have to go away or traveling or whatever, we love having Lou there. And the reason I love having Lou there is Lou loves me. And I can say this, and I think my family will approve of this. When Lou's at our house, she responds to me better than the rest. It makes them angry, and I love it. They try to get her to do something, and she won't. I get up. I say, Lou, you want to go outside? She goes right to the door. She walks outside with me. She does her business. We play a little bit. We come inside. Uh, uh, Alex and Madison don't think they feed their dog real food. I do. That's why she loves me. She loves potato chips and beef jerky. I can go on and on and on. So Lou loves me. And I kind of like it when Heather tries to call her from me and she stays with me. There's, there's a good feeling right there. She knows me. Until those two show up in my house. When Alex and Madison walk in the house, Lou forgets I exist. She will bolt to the door. Last night, Alex came by for a little bit and he brought her by. And so she came right up and sat with me on the chair and he went toward the door and she lost her ever-loving mind and went to the door because she thought every time he brings me here, he leaves. And wherever Alex was in the house, Lou made sure she knew where Alex was. This is the metaphor, church. Jesus said, when I show up and I begin to speak, those who know me follow. They listen. They don't listen to the other voices. They listen to my voice. Now, let me ask you the question found within the text. How good of a sheep are you? Can you hear his voice? Are you listening for his voice? Are you willing to follow? Lou would not let Alex get out of her sight because she was afraid she would be left behind and that she was going where he was going. And I love to see that relationship because this is what Jesus is talking about. He wants with us. And he even says it, I, I will lead and I will guide and I will protect. And these are the things we want to celebrate today. He's a good shepherd, isn't he? He cares. And his presence is what you hold on to. In fact, he says, I will deliver you. I will take you from one place and I will deliver you to another. It's the exodus all over again. What he's saying is, I will lead you from your slavery into the promised land. I am the one, like the pillar of cloud in, with Moses. I will be the one that guides you. I will be the one that leads you, and I will never leave you. The second thing we learn is the good shepherd provides security. 
Not only is his presence warming to us and we connect with him and we understand him and we love him and he loves us, but he provides security. Verse six, Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Interesting. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And I wondered about this. I'm thinking, oh, this is a weird metaphor switch. From talking about being a shepherd to talking about being an inanimate object like a gate. What does that mean? Then I did my research because I'm an American kid. Not having been around shepherds before, I would not have had known this until someone instructed me. The shepherd was the gate because the shepherd would find an enclosure to put the sheep into at night and it would normally have enough protection around them on one side that they didn't have to worry about that. And then the shepherds would lay in the opening where the sheep entered so that anything that tried to get the sheep had to go over and through the shepherd. So when Jesus said, I am the gate, he's not mixing metaphors. He's actually showing the the extent to which the shepherd protects the sheep. And then I was like, oh, wow. This Jesus is really good at metaphors. And he really instructs well. You see, he would lay down in the opening. He is the door of salvation. Verse 9, whoever enters through me will be saved. And the world says, why do Christians think they have the only solution? Because Jesus, who was resurrected from the dead, said these words, I am the gate. You come in and you go out through me. And if you come in through me, you will be saved. No other world religious leader can offer you that. Jesus, they're all saying, I'll show you how to get to God. Jesus came down and said, God is here. And I am. And you will come into me and find life. And you will come find hope. As a door, Jesus delivers sinners from bondage into security. Into safety. And remember the promise here. The promise of his presence. The promise of his protection. And thirdly, the good shepherd provides powerful hope. A powerful hope. Not just a hope that one day it might work out, but a hope that's bigger than that. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Do you remember the context of this? Who's Jesus talking to? He's talking to the Pharisees and he's telling them that something unique is happening here. Jesus is promising, here's one of the promises, he will never abandon us. And he is, by saying he will never abandon us, he's looking at the Pharisees saying, and you will. You see, the Pharisees got rid of the blind man and excommunicated him because he did not make them look good. He did not do what they thought he should have done. And so they got rid of him because he was expendable. They were not expendable. He was. And Jesus flips the script. And let me tell you the most important thing I learned from this passage in John chapter 10. Sheep are usually slaughtered for the purpose of the shepherd. Why do shepherds have sheep? Not to be best friends. They have them for the wool and they have them for the meat. They have them because they'll produce more wool and they can produce more lambs, which will produce more meat. And it's all a monetized thing. A shepherd will slaughter the sheep for his purposes, but our shepherd will be slaughtered for our purposes. That's why he's the good shepherd. 
And he's pointing out to the religious leaders of Israel that you're not serving the people, you're using the people. And if they don't make you look good or feel good or do what you want them to do, you get rid of them. He said, I've come to give my life. I lay down my life. The thief comes to kill and destroy and steal. He said, I've done none of that. That's why I'm the good shepherd. In verse 16, he continues. He said, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. And if you're not Jewish here today, you ought to thank God for that verse. Because what Jesus said is there's a bunch of lambs out there looking for a shepherd and I will become their shepherd and they will enter my flock. And he's talking about those that were not in the original covenant with Abraham. But in God's covenant with Abraham, what he said was, I will make of you a great nation and it will include all nations. And this is where Jesus said, I've come as a good shepherd to bring in those that are broken, limping, weak, needy, diseased. I'm going to bring them into my flock and I'm going to care for them and I'm going to provide for them and I'm going to be their good shepherd. You see, he invites all who want his care. See, not only does he never abandon us, but he will invite all who desire to be cared for by a good shepherd. Jesus was speaking about you and me. His new flock will be made up of every tribe, every race, every caste, every outcast, and every nation. And if you travel throughout the world today and you look at the church that God is building, if you look at the kingdom that God is advancing, we may say because things are tough and because governments are cruel and, and, and unworthy and, and there's all this power and all this authority being used to keep people down, to separate the rich from the poor, to separate those who have from those who have nothing. And when we look at this world, we think, how is this working? But trust me, the kingdom is advancing. God's work is working. And I can tell you why, because in every continent, in every country, the church is preaching the gospel and people are finding salvation. They're coming through the gate into the kingdom where they're loved and served and safe. You see, in verse 17, Jesus says, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. They're wondering, is Jesus really the Messiah? And he's so bold right here to say, no, I came from God to do the work of God. You know what the Messiah was to do. And if you'll stop making it political, if you'll stop making it about overthrowing Rome, if you'll stop making it about Jerusalem having to be the center of the world, if you'll stop the physical kingdom that you want me to build and you'll see the kingdom that I am building, you'll understand that when I lay my life down, I'm doing exactly what God said the Messiah would do. But they were deaf and they were blind, but the sheep heard his voice and they understood who he was and they began to follow him. You say, he will pay the price for the flock. That's the other truth I want you to see here. It will cost him something for him to bring us into his fold. It's not just by his authority. You see, in America, especially in America, we use authority like I now get what I want and you all have to, because I have the authority, you're just gonna have to suck it up and accept it because I'm gonna do what I want regardless. And praise God, Jesus didn't do that. Because if he would have done everything he wanted to do, then in the garden, he would have walked away saying, yeah, I'm good. Because when he asked his father, was there another way? He knew what was coming and he didn't do what was best for him. He laid down his life exactly as his father commanded him. You see, he did not die as a martyr. They did not kill him. He died as a substitute, laying down his life for the sheep. 
You say, I said it before and I need to say it again. Sheep are usually slaughtered for the purpose of the shepherd, but our shepherd was slaughtered for the purposes of his sheep. He died in the dark so you and I can live in the light. He takes our cross so we can wear a crown. He takes our punishment so we can have his reward. He dies so we can live. Yes, we're sheep. Yes, yes, we're unprotected. And we can be harmed. And yes, we're rebellious at times and wander away ignorantly. But this is the reason we can be his glory. This is the reason we can be his joy. This is the reason he can love us in spite of our vulnerability and need. He lays down his life for the sheep because he loves so well. Church, is he a good shepherd? In verse 19 and 21, the Jews who had heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is a demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And so I asked this morning, can he open our eyes? He's not just a good shepherd in a poetic way. He's not just better than most. He's an unusual shepherd, and that's what makes him good. That he would sacrifice his life for the sheep when the sheep were there to be sacrificed for the shepherd. See, the invitation to come be a part of his new kingdom is not one for the elite and the morally perfect, but for the formerly blind who know that Jesus offers us something that the world never can. It is a come and die proposition. To come be in Jesus and Jesus in me changes it all. Whether you see it as a parent or a shepherd, it's all the same concept. That the role of the parent and the shepherd is to provide for the child a chance to live the life they can. To provide for them, protect them, guide them, pray for them. Are you looking for direction, safety, and someone to love and care for you with unconditional love? Are you willing to admit that unprotected and left on your own, you can't survive? And you've tried and you've failed and you've been attacked and you've been broken and you've been damaged and you've made foolish mistakes and you've had foolish things done to you. Do you need a shepherd? Because the Pharisees in this moment would look at Jesus and say, now we're good. And most of them would die in their sin. And a few would repent and say, no, no, no matter what we thought the Messiah was going to do, no matter what we think Jesus should have done, what he's done is enough evidence. It's something to hold on to. The 23rd Psalm is what Jesus seems to be alluding to. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall have no need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me in beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. And even though I'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they bring me comfort. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And then, listen to me, church. Only when the shepherd is leading is this our promise. Then surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely goodness and mercy, I need both. How about you? I need the good, good father. I need this, this uncompromising love of God, this relentless, reckless love of God. How about you? But I also need mercy. I need mercy because when I mess up, I need a shepherd who doesn't beat me. I need a shepherd who heals me and guides me and corrects me and protects me. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But you don't have to die to begin to dwell in the house of the Lord. You simply follow. 
Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. And those who hear my voice will follow. Is he your shepherd? Is his voice what you're listening for? Is following him why you exist? If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you want to know what it means to follow him, I would love to have a conversation with you. I'm going to invite you to come see me in the foyer. I know in the, in the massive crowd and all the tables, you may say, I don't know where he is. Just look for the bald guy. I'm not standing right out there. This is too important for you to put off another week because you've probably put it off too many weeks. The day's a day where the good shepherd is offering you to come into his fold and be one of his. And all you have to do is be willing to listen to his voice and follow. Let's stand together. Thank you for listening to a Sunday morning sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about these sermons or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com.